This week's episode of Aussie Tech Ads is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 688 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 6th of August, 2020. This is my co-host, Will Tompkinson, and I'm the host, Jason Oakley. Hey, Jason. <laughs> Again? Did I get you? <laughs> hey, Rocky. Uh, hey, Rocky, the... watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Uh, it was all moving straight. The only reason you didn't get me is because I wasn't paying attention. Uh, I was just working well, on... I was just waiting until you pointed and I switched and I went, hang on. <laughs> hang on. What did he say? Uh, I was going to say, uh, I'm Will Tompkinson. This is my co-host, Jason Oakley. <laughs> uh, won't be the first time. Probably not the last uh, either. How's stuff? <clears throat> um, hot today. We hit 32 today. Jeez, dude. I know. It's nuts. It's like, <laughs> what's going on? We had... What do we have, like four? I think it was four last night and 32 today. It's six now here, but our top was 17. 17. Man, a sweltering 17 in the UK. That's when you go out in your bathers. I know, right. the black pool rocks. Uh, it's so... The weather's so weird at the moment. It's so... I've got some massive fires around too. There's just so much smoke in the air at the moment. Really? Yeah. What's that all from? I'm guessing it's around the range, mm. um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's all west. Like you, when we're coming home in the afternoon, you look west and you just just see a massive, thick smoke haze. So something's um, something's not quite kosher at the moment. Yep. Uh, I've been spending up all my monies. Yes, you've had an interesting couple of weeks. Three quarters of the roof guttering replaced which is good because most of it was rusty and not being much of a guttering as so much of a hole here and there where the water just came straight down onto the ground and flooded the back and front yard so that's fixed up but had the a leak in the um 
ensuite shower, which was getting into the walk-in room. So I've got that all resealed. So there goes about three grand. And then the dog got sick. So he's been to the vet nearly all this week, trying to get him well again. So and of course, as we know, vets do it for the love, not the money. Yeah. <laughs> and then at some stage, I'll get the uh, electrical wiring done that I've been talking about, but it might have to wait till <laughs> next, next year. month. <laughs> <laughs> or next year, yeah. Someone might, get it to you for, someone might give it to you for Christmas present and get your house rewired. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> for, that would be a lovely present from you, Will. <laughs> well, I was going to say our Patreons might be able to do it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, we got we got we yeah Patreon database is growing bigger every week. We now have uh, we now have five Patreons. There, uh, like Chris, uh, David Bird, Daniel, and Amanda D. Um, Bouncing Yellow Skull and see uh, what did we say it was C Denview. So David Bird wasn't he the lead singer of Talking Heads? We should be. Bird, yeah. bird, bird, bird. I didn't know we were that famous. Thank <laughs> you, sir. Well, if that's the case, you tight son of a... <laughs> <laughs> you should have a buck or two, right? But, um, yeah, just you know, remind you guys about Patreon, obviously, AussieTechHeads.com. Um, find all the information out there, or you can go to Patreon.com slash AussieTechHeads. Um, Anything.com slash AussieTechHeads yeah, works pre- this stage. Pre- pretty much. It's easy, We're though. everywhere. Or you can go to, go to Aussie Tech Heads to find out where you can go to Aussie Tech Heads. You go to AussieTechHeads.com <laughs> slash Aussie Tech Heads. How about that? Aussie Tech. Aussie Tech. Aussie Tech yeah. But uh, yeah, basically, the um, you know it helps a lot, guys. The, the uh, current patrons are paying for our um, paying for our streaming software, so so that's good. Um, it's not super ideal because Patreon does take more than I think a fair share but um, you know you do what you got to do to we, we can't get monetized on YouTube we're not big enough we're not popular enough apparently nobody loves us um, so about all the money that will be raised on this might even go to buy a Glanner PC that uh, is capable of actually you know streaming not we'll like his oh, his you know 486 from 1996 that he's got running I think so, but, it's unhackable uh, because nobody worries <laughs> about that operation. It's still running Windows three point one with um, he's 3. running one one work groups. <laughs> three, yeah, that's right. He's got to have the work groups. Yeah. He's using um the chocolate oh, windsocket. Yeah. <laughs> TCPFE. Yeah, good old trumpet windsock. That was great. Between that, awesome. between that and uh, the Norton um, uh, Laplink, you you yeah. sorted. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There was a software. It had a weird name, and you could share out your network through. Yeah, computer I was thinking exactly the same thing. Was it Win Win TCP or something? Something. Yeah, I used to. I used to use it all the time for three point one one back in the day to uh, make your computer accessible on the World Wide Web. Um, it was WinSock, wasn't it? It was a product of WinSock. Um. We're going to be looking this up for the whole time now. You realise this. <laughs> the rest of the show, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it, it, it does help, guys. So, you know, obviously don't feel obliged to do it, but if you if you do, just, you know, just be mindful that it does actually help us out a great deal. And um, we do, we do, we will only be putting it to use for things to help the show. So, uh, yeah, what's Trumpet Winsock? <clears throat> yeah, that was to connect, but there was something, another one that was really popular that everyone shared out their connection to everybody else in the house. 
Uh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I can't yes. think of it. had some weird name. It did. And it was actually a really expensive software that just happened to fit on a floppy disk very easily. <laughs> and everybody had it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember that one. Well, uh, no point. You could probably get it from two cows. Is two cows still around? Yes. Oh, at least I love my, two cows. My, all my websites are registered through two cows affiliate hover. Oh, really? Yeah. Two cows was awesome. Making the internet better since 1993. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to go there all the time. Gonna drive so, me crazy. Yeah, I know, right? We try and talk about this <laughs> at one other time, and I just gave up because I couldn't remember what it was called. And the irony is, I actually um, was watching uh, a guy on YouTube the other day getting Windows three one one working on a new computer, and he loaded that bit of software up. You're <laughs> killing me, man! So I actually like, I actually remember seeing it. <laughs> we'll just pause here while Will goes on through his. I'll get through history. my history and find it. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, but anyway. Web phone, Pretel, Net Two phone. Remember all these? WS Chat. No, uh, yeah. WSFTP. WS Everything was a thing. Yeah, that was. But it was like doing the uh, you know, when everybody had a uh, ICQ. You know, yeah. you had ICQ, then you had MICQ, and you had IRC, and you had MIRC, and yeah, yeah. it's just just chuck letters in front of things, and it becomes a completely different piece of software. True Space. <laughs> I love True Space too. I made a game using that for its graphics. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I, in some respects, I actually missed some of those. Oh, there's a guy um, made his own using modern components. Actually yeah. made his own um, Commodore 64. Oh, right. Um, Another one. I've seen so many been launched. Yeah, like, but he just made it off like off-the-shelf components. You can go to like JCar and buy these components and oh, right. you could make your own... Um, oh, good old coffee cup. The original... Yeah! The original uh, <laughs> password. FTP. Uh, no, coffee cup was originally password. Oh, HTML editor. Um, like password security. Like, right. yeah, you used to store your passwords. Komodo I Dragon. I used to do all my websites with the software you can still get called Arachnophilia. I haven't heard of that one. It was awesome. Ooh, LimeWire. Um, e-donkey. So, e-donkey. <laughs> my NAS still uses the, has the option to use E-Donkey. Yeah. As a default client. <laughs> well, I don't even know if it works anymore. That's like forever ago. So, but uh, this is clearly helping. <laughs> this is not boring the people at all. <laughs> no, wait, wait, back in the day when I were a lad. Yeah. Windows Super Internet sharing. I don't know. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's around somewhere on the on the Talk interwebs. About next week. Yeah, we'll try and find I'll it. Look and while you're having your daily read. <laughs> what? That should take long. You should have plenty of time. I have plenty of time. Then that's half the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you already know what that's going to be on. If anybody's been watching the news in the last couple of days, so I can I can do one for you right now. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> yeah, I ain't got that loaded now. <laughs> 
Starting at the end of July, Microsoft has begin, begun detecting hosts files that block Windows 10's telemetry servers as a severe security risk. That's you, son. <laughs> the host file is a text file located in C, Windows, System32, Driver, etc. Hosts and can only be edited by a program with administrative privileges. The file is used to resolve host names to IP addresses without using DNS. This file is commonly used to block a computer from accessing a remote site by assigning a host to 127.0.0.1 or 0.0.0.0 IP address. For example, if you add the following line to Windows host file or block users from accessing google.com as your browser will think you're trying to connect to 127.0.0.1, which is the local computer. But since the end of July, Windows 10 users began reporting that Windows Defender had started detecting, detecting modified host files as settings modifier win32 host files hijack thread when detected if a user clicks on the see details option they'll simply be shown that they're affected by settings modifier threat and has potentially unwanted behavior so it seems microsoft has recently updated their microsoft defender definition to detect when their servers were added to the host file users who utilize host files to block windows 10 telemetry suddenly cause them to see the host file hijack detection if you decide to clean this threat, Microsoft will restore the host file back to its default contents. So there you go. You want to block Microsoft from automatically updating your computer. They're going to mark that as a threat attack against your computer and pop up, please clean this. But that would only be on their own firewall. Yeah. That wouldn't Windows be on Defender it. will detect it. Yeah. It's not their firewall. It's Windows Defender. Defender, yeah. Stuff. But if you're running a third-party firewall, that wouldn't be an issue. Third-party antivirus. No, well, no, Windows firewall. Defender's not, firewall's not Windows Defender. No, no, but I'm saying, you said, like, if I'm blocking an IP, which I currently am, blocking the Microsoft domains, but I'm using the Windows built-in firewall for that. If yeah, I... It's looking at the host file. The white firewall doesn't come into it, whether it's on or off, doesn't matter. If oh, so it won't matter the then if I'm blocking file. the IPs? Not if you're doing it through the firewall, but yeah. if you edit the host file, yeah, Windows yeah, yeah. Defender will think you've been attacked. Yeah, which was that that was the the easy get out way of doing it. You just take the take it out of the host file and so it can't do it. But yeah. you can just use the firewall to block those ports so it still physically accesses it them, anyway. it just can't do anything with them. Oh don't so. oh, now you let the cat out of the bag, Microsoft's gonna watch this show. <laughs> yeah, you know, all the Microsoft employees are sitting down waiting for this episode to be released. They're watching the stream. <laughs> That's all the people watching the stream right now. They're like, you watch those two guys. They're savvy little <laughs> bastards, and you know what they're going to do. We'll find out how they get around our auto updates, and we'll screw them for sure. Don't worry about that. It, yeah, it kind of sounds a bit redundant. I mean, isn't this whole issue we have with Chrome flagging malicious sites that aren't similar sort of, you know, similar sort of deal? Yeah. Like they're not malicious, but because it doesn't know about them, it calls them malicious. Or if the uh, encryption is slightly old and they decided they're going to deprecate it whether anybody else on the internet yeah. wants to or not. So I can only see this leading to even more problems because, you know, Microsoft's known for their such solid workflow that they have. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that plays out. Sorry, guys, if you can hear my keyboard. I normally have a rubber mat under my... Uh, microphone, but I can't find it. So poor, unfortunately, poor Robert, Matt, he's probably going to get something for lunch. <laughs> so unfortunately, the um, the 
the keyboard sits like literally half an inch away from the microphone, so you're going to hear it through the mic, unfortunately. Uh, Ozzy, what's going on? Trying to Patreon, PayPal not sending me code for two authentication. Um, yeah, it sounds about right. Patreon. I'd love to say your Patreon's a flawless service and you're doing something wrong, but <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's most likely uh, if you're sending it to your email, in my case, it was going into spam. Um, otherwise, I think you can get it sent to your phone. I think how I end up having to do it to make it work. I don't know. It's stupid. But this is why I hate two-factor authentication. Like, I have never had, on whether it's my bank, whether it's Google, whether it's Microsoft, I have never had a case where 2FA has actually worked the way it's supposed to work. Yep. It either prematurely boots you out, then one of the things you need to access you can't get to because you've... You don't have your phone on you, or you can't access that email account at the moment, or it, you know, like in the case of um, Zero, which is a program we use for for um, accounting. I and got it, like dude. Yeah. Wingate. Wingate. That's it. That was it. Wingate. <laughs> that was it. Yes. That's it. Wingate. I literally okay, just saw you. that here too. Back <laughs> to so- your rent. <laughs> Wingate, I yeah. found it on windowsnetworking.com. I was looking on two cows window networking. Uh, <laughs> I just saw it there Wingate, too. Yeah. <laughs> we had we had when I worked at an ISP, there was this guy who decided he was going to tell everybody about our ISP and tell everyone that we were crap. And so he changed his email from address in his email client Eudora or something to say it was from support at our isp.com.au, then telneted into our server, changed back one directory, which he shouldn't have been able to do if we had a block that, thank you, Mr. System Administrator. <laughs> Got a list of everybody's usernames and then sent out an email to everybody from support. But unfortunately, he didn't know that we all had our own individual accounts, not just support. So he sent an email to me supposedly from me who was the only support person there anyway <laughs> saying yes we know our company is crap blah 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 and i went and tracked down the headers in the email and found out that it had his computer in the x from uh-huh. header and he's like oh that's because i run wingate and somebody has hacked into my wingate <laughs> and they're bloody sending out emails and pretending it was you but saying it was me and we're like Dude, we went into your account and your bash history file has got you changing back a directory, getting a list of all of the customer usernames, and then you copying back down to your computer to email them. It's you. It's not somebody who's hacked in unless you gave the hackers your account username password on your Wingate and on our server. You didn't do it. We can shut down your account. And this is your business you're running from here, so you'll lose lots of money. <laughs> okay, I'll be good. Yeah, Wingate's still around. Yeah. Wingate version 9. Don't know what they do anymore, but they're still around. <laughs> but I mean, even right up into Windows 95, NT, all that, they still use had to Wingate. It was till, wasn't until 98 came with it by default, or a version of it by default. But everything up to 98, basically Wingate was it. 
Kapersky antivirus for Wingate. Yeah. In your Wingate traffic for malware. That's yeah. Nice. Lumen for Wingate. Wingate VPN. Yeah. I'll have to have a look and see what they're up to these days. It's owned by a company called Cubic now. Hmm. I wonder if they bought the rights to the name or the all the software and IP and everything. Don't know. Nice. But, Over um, to your new story. Then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say, yeah, two-factor authentication. Like we use zero, and as I said, we have multiple computers logging into the one account. So every time somebody logs in, it logs the other computer out, and then you've got to go through the whole two of a thing again to log back in. <laughs> it's like for crying out loud, just stop it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. I, I, I can almost. There's almost no situation where I can see two as being beneficial. Um, I think the at, at least not a complicated two FA. Yeah, I mean, but even then, most people have got one click enabled anyway. No, I've disabled it. What I hate, you go and buy something from eBay. Hey, you use PayPal. Would you like us to remember this in the future, and then you'll never ever have to ask it again. Yeah, and someone that somehow gets into my eBay account and suddenly buys a Ferrari or something. Well, that's why I have my PayPal account, a $0 account, and I have to actually transfer money into it. Yeah, the bank. Hey, yeah, it's a, it's a bank account, but it's a bank account that has no money in it. And yeah, it just sits there with nothing in it. And then if I know I'm going to order something, I'll just transfer it in and, yeah. That's easy. It's not actually <laughs> most, most of my... That's the same account I use for direct debit, same thing, so... I only know that they're going to take out a hundred bucks on this date, so I put the hundred dollars in there the night before, so they can take it out. You know, like it's a zero dollar account normally, so nobody can do anything with it. How'd you get so savvy? Um, many, many, many years of being screwed over. Oh, don't trust, it. <laughs> trust no one. You like next files and shit, man. Uh, David Duchovny, right here. No, I'm the opposite. I trust everybody until they prove me otherwise, and that's that's the issue right there. Yeah. LibreOffice, speaking of really, really old software, no more Microsoft, uh, no more. No more Microsoft, that's it. <laughs> Bye-bye. See you, Microsoft. <laughs> Apple's taken over, nobody wants you anymore. Now more Microsoft compatible and still free. Uh, With Microsoft banning PC-based Office software, uh, and you don't want to use cloud-based such as 365, LibreOffice will be your best desktop office for choice. Of course, OpenOffice is still local as well, but... Um, I give LibreOffice the edge just a little bit over OpenOffice just because it tends to have slightly better compatibility. Um, I like OpenOffice generally better, but yeah, there's just there's a, a couple of couple of critical points that just LibreOffice just just do it better. But given a, given a choice between Office 2019 and LibreOffice 70. Or 7.0 if you put the dots in the way it's supposed to be. Uh, your pick of open source top office, LibreOffice. Um, where are we? Office 2009's applications are frozen in time. They don't ever get updated with new features. Um, so they want. So they're basically forcing you to move to the Office 365 that keeps getting better over time. Microsoft's made it clear that says <laughs> desktop. That sounds so sincere. <laughs> It just keeps getting better. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Oh, sorry. Uh, Microsoft has made it clear that it seems sees the desktop office suite f- future in the cloud, not on the PC. Uh, as I saw it, Microsoft offers words. Microsoft recommends 2019. Maybe paying an external subscription fee works for you. 
Um, but if you want the old style office, office, LibreOffice is now your top choice. Uh, and it's free, which is cool. As I said, like OpenOffice, but the new major release, this is the, this is the, the kicker. The new major release comes with several improvements. At the top of the list, users who have spent their working lives on Microsoft Office, the best feature is better compatibility with DocX, XLSX, and PPTX files. Uh, LibreOffice 7's um, DocX is now saved in native uh, 13, 16, 19 modes instead of 07 compatibility, which great, great, improves interoperability across multiple MS offices. Uh, MS Office, wow, MS Office's versions. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the program can also export to XLSX um, with sheet names longer than 31 characters, uh, checkboxes. Um, so, yeah, so basically that's now given at the edge over OpenOffice where it, it handles these formats natively, whereas OpenOffice is still a little funky with some of the DocX stuff. Um, the other cool part is that uh, LibreOffice by default has a Skia graphics engine and the Vulkan GPU acceleration. So basically, if you're running an AMD processor and graphics chip, um, you get huge. Most of the burden of the the work is done by the GPU instead of the CPU now. So all the calculations and as we know. The GPU, the graphics processor is effectively one big giant mass chip. That's, it does maths. That's what that sort of stars. So it passes all that. This, the GPU can do all that side of it so much faster than the CPU. So all the calculations, all the database handling is all processed by the GPU, which is pretty cool. It used to be CPU plus mass coprocessor. Mass coprocessor. CPU plus graphics card, which is your mass coprocessor now, really, isn't it? Yeah, well, on the day, you, I had the 386, 386 SX25, and then I, I bought a DX chip for my SX25, so I had an SX25 processor with the DX insert chip. Oh. And then I bought my 486 DX 266. I was going to say, I got DX4100. I had the 4100 later, but I had the 266 first. And then when Duke Nukem came out, I had to go to a 4100 when Duke 3D came out. Yeah. Um, but before, and then once, no, what came out first? Quake. Hexen. You know, Hexen and Heretic and, and all those. And, triad. Uh, Rise of the Triad. Yeah. Rise of the Triad. <laughs> but then, Hexen yeah. Hexen wouldn't run on my Cyrix chip. Ah, but it could. There was a little known hack that made it work. I think you said I had to... It was the installer that was broken. Yeah, the installer that was broken. If you unzip the files and put them in the folders manually, the pro it actually ran. But the <sighs> installer wouldn't work because they had a deal that was bundled on the Intel motherboard drivers thing. So right. it was an Intel exclusive. <sighs> <laughs> so, that was the end of Cyrix for me. Well, then I went, I went from a... I, I went... From an AMD um, 4100 to a Cyrex 586 overdrive chip. Right. Which was just funky. It was the first CPU I've ever seen with a heatsink on it. Ah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and for, it was a, for the die, I was like, you know. Did you ever have one of those really long Pentium 2 things? I never had one. The Pentium Pro? Yeah. Or the flip chip? It was just like... 
a, yeah, the flip like chip, a RAM one that slips in. Yeah, that, the penny. Well, they they are the, they are the Pentium. This the predominantly Celerons. Well, most of the Celerons were those. Some of the P twos. Um, most of the um, Pentium Pros were that. The Pentium Pros claim to fame was it could run. It came with a so, with a software thing called Buddy. Or I think it's Buddy, and all the internet cafes used to use them. You could run four virtual process, four virtual machines off one uh, processor, nice. and you used to. So the internet cafes used to have one main, one actual physical system, and they'd have four virtual systems all running off that one physical system, so they could cut their costs right down. Ah, um, that's pretty cool. Then I never had one of those chips. Mine were all the ways the square ones. We went to the launch could, of the Intel. You could get the the flip chips where you, if you had a square CPU, you'd buy the flip board and you'd put the CPU into the flip board and drop the chip in. Ah. Because the <laughs> the the slot boards were generally overclockable, whereas the CPU boards weren't. So if you ah. if you wanted to overclock them, you'd buy a slot board. But the usually the usually it was usually the Cyrexes, the um not Cyrexes, it was usually the the Celerons. Right. were the flip chips of the lower end processor but you could buy the higher end pro- and they were they were frequency locked on the chip so you, you could actually pull the black casing off them and separate them and put a bridge across two jumpers to change the frequency or you could buy a flip chip and put a standard CPU into a flip chip and put it in and then it become unlocked that way oh nice <laughs> yeah it was it was the, the day of the hackers back then I tell you it was fantastic CPU hackers and overclocker is... This is my... I don't know if this is going to come out. Uh, we'll see if you can see it. Probably not. It's probably too far over. Yeah. This is the... There we go. 486DX2. Yep. And then... We went to the 486... Well, that was a... I have Intel 486DX2. And then you had the AMD AMX5. Yeah, I think I might have had one of them. There was a... But they have K5 as well. Yeah, then they had the Cyrex 586. Yep. And this is the one I had. The oh, 586 right. with the, the heatsink on it. Running at 3.3 volts. Whoa. And then these were the overdrive chips, which were basically uh, like a 100, for example, but they were a really solid 100. You could run them at like a 120. Oh, right. Here we go. Doom, Quake, 3D Bench. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, that was that was great fun. There's your there's a flip chip in that system right. there actually. There's your there's your flip there. Oh, it's got the Trident 3D graphics Visa card with the expandable um 512k slots. Yeah. Uh, I had that board. This board was great. You could run 72 and 30 pin memory at the same time. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, I used to, there's your there's your seventy early seventy two pin. The old thirty pins, I actually found a whole bunch of them a while back, and I turned them into um, keyrings and gave them out to mates. <laughs> there you go. These were the Vibra sixteen sound cards, the Creative Vibra sixteens, yep. and you could actually put thirty pin um, memory chips in them. Right, right. To increase the buffer in the sound, sound cards and stuff. Yeah, and originally they had. Um, I think originally they had two. I think they were like, I think 128k or something like that originally. Yeah. And but you could actually put up to two four meg, so you could actually have eight meg of sound 
<laughs> on board sound memory. <laughs> then don't you doom sound good? <laughs> oh man, all those all the the hacks. This week's episode of Aussie Tech. Things you learnt back then that you sort of never. It's completely useless now. Absolutely none of that is relevant today. No. <laughs> not, not one bit of it. <laughs> Nobody these days has that kind of fun. You just go down and buy your computer from the shop and bring it home, plug yeah. it in, off you go. Yeah, and this was the weird part that people used to freak out. See, I had a 486... Um, I had a 486 DX4100, but was running the overdrive clip chip, so it was a 586-133... Yep. But it was faster than the penny of one than the penny of one sixty sixes at the time, because it had a faster bus speed. Even though the actual frequency wasn't as fast, it could get the data in and out faster. So all these, all my mates went out and bought these penny and one sixty sixes when they come out at yep. eight hundred dollars a chip or something. Holy crap! And I had a four. I had this overdrive chip that was faster than theirs, and they all got their shits with me. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody will. Yeah. So. Anyway, and what were we talking about? <laughs> Where were we? Who? Yeah. Are, what am I? Oh, LibreOffice. So yeah. So basically, um, yeah. If if you don't want to buy Office and you don't need to buy Office and you have absolutely no reason to buy it because you don't really need it unless you specifically need it for work or something, um, go with LibreOffice. It's it's great. As I said, I, I've switched almost. I was running a combination of LibreOffice and OpenOffice because. Um, like my work computer came with LibreOffice, so it was on there, and I put just installed OpenOffice on here because I did. But I've switched everything over to LibreOffice now because it's just, 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 just that little bit better than OpenOffice. We. But it'll give OpenOffice some. So you watch in three months' time now, they'll come back and they'll they'll just, just that little bit be better than, than LibreOffice. <laughs> Keep them both on there. You can just upgrade and swap, 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 swap. Um, the problem with that is if you accidentally open like a doc at the moment, if you open a docx and it opens in OpenOffice instead of LibreOffice, it corrupts the file. Oh no! Well, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, it kind of sort of yeah, sort of corrupts it. So that's not good. <laughs> it will be finally slightly easier to share files, images, links, and other content between Android devices. <clears throat> Google is launching a new Android feature called Nearby Share that enables direct sharing between any device running Android 6 and up. Nearby Share is already available on some Pixel and Samsung phones, and Google says it'll arrive on other devices over the next few weeks. Nearby Share works very much like Apple's AirDrop feature for the iPhone. You simply select the Nearby Share button in the Share menu, and then wait for a nearby phone to appear. Then whatever you thing you're sharing is sent directly over your transfer method of choice to the other phone. As with AirDrop, you can set your preferred visibility for nearby share to different levels of contacts, all, some, or stay hidden. Google says it's even possible to send and receive files anonymously. Nearby share also shares files directly via whichever method your two phones deem is the fastest, Bluetooth, Bluetooth Low Energy, WebRTC, or peer-to-peer Wi-Fi, which Google says should allow to work offline. Nearby share works between Android phones and will work with Chromebooks in the coming months but it can't share to iOS devices, Macs, or Windows machines. Asked if support for any of those were coming, a Google spokesperson said it plans to expand the feature to additional platforms in the future. I mean, with so many aftermarket apps anyway, it's... Remember how... that bump one where you just bump your phones together and it transfers yeah. well, files and stuff? That's default on the Samsungs. They've got that. If you hold your two phones together, they'll do it by default. Um, when you're upgrading... You get the new phone 
and it says, do you want to copy everything over? So you grab your old phone, stick it next to the new one, and click yes, and it pulls all everything off the old phone onto the new one. Sweet. So, I mean, there's so many ways. There's so many ways to do the same thing now. You know, like you I was do it the Google way. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> mucking around before the show with a screen sharing app and stuff because I couldn't get the the Chromecast Google Chromecast thingy to work. So I put an aftermarket one on. It's it's like a tenth of the size. It's faster. It, it do, seems to work better. It doesn't crash. And it has better response time. Like, well, <laughs> why would I go back to using the Google one? You know. So, but that's. I mean, admittedly, that's one thing I do like about the Google infrastructure is there is a dozen different ways of doing it. And if you've got, um, uh, like the main uh, e, um, I can't think what the ES Explorer is the normal one that I use for other stuff and it does 95% of things and you can create a virtual network to log in faster and do stuff but occasionally you won't do something so you grab a different app that will so <laughs> you know it, it's just like it's one of those things there's so many different ways of doing it that it's it's good um, and it means that you can have two or three outs you know if something doesn't work there's other ways of doing it so um, throw another one on there yeah pretty much you know, then that's like I was looking for a webcam software to monitor my um, my laser cutter CNC router thing that I've got. Yep. I wanted to monitor that um, with a old, I was kind of really old, like ancient candy bar phone almost, Android phone. Um, and the first five apps I put on, they'd run for like five minutes and they'd just crash. Because the phone had run out of memory, it don't, it's got nothing, you know. <laughs> and I just happened to be randomly scrolling through them, and there's this one called like um, Just Webcam Light, <laughs> and like that's literally all it is. You click the button, it turns the flashlight on, it turns the camera on, and it streams it directly to an IP address automatically. Like that's it, and there's nothing you yeah. can't do anything, and uh, it's perfect. It's been running flawless for two weeks without a crash. Yep. You know, and it's like a two meg file. All these other ones were 40, 50 meg. You know, this thing's like two they meg. <laughs> in, yeah, and it, it works perfectly. So, yeah, I do like that. Um, but thing, things I don't like. Here we go. <laughs> Australia to charge Google and Facebook for content because Australia is incredibly intelligent. So... Murdoch. Yeah. Basically, Australia is going to require Google, and well, actually, this is because according to the Australian government, it's not their idea, and they don't want to have anything to do with it. But anyway, oh. <laughs> Australia will require Google and social media giant Facebook to pay for the content they're using uh, from the content they use from the country, the nation's treasurer said on Monday. In a Twitter post, Josh Frydenberg said, "As the technology of the digital platforms has evolved, so too has their market dominance." By creating a mandatory code or law, which is not, it's legislation at best, we're seeking to be the first country in the world that successfully acquires their social media giants to pay for original news content. In a separate blog, Frodmerk said Google and Facebook were already among the most powerful and valuable companies in the world. Uh, for every $100 spent by, every 100 AU spent by advertising in Australia and online advertising, Excluding classifieds, $47 AU goes to Google, 24 goes to Facebook, and 29 goes to other participants. In Australia, this market's worth almost $9 billion a year. And it's grown more than eightfold since 2005. Well, that's 
irrelevant. Citing <laughs> so, latest report of Australian Competition Consumer Commission, Frogmark said that 98% of online searches are mobile devices uh, with Google, while Facebook has approximately 17 million users who are connected to its platform for at least half an hour a day. It has created a level of market concentration of power that we never envisioned by our regulatory systems, he said. The goal is to protect consumers, improve transparency, and add... To do what? Hang on, what was that? <laughs> I'm sorry, I almost got through that Won't sentence with a straight face. Somebody please think of the children. <laughs> We're saving children's lives by yeah. charging Google. You don't understand. We put it all into education. Uh, improve transparency and address the power imbalance between the parties. So, <laughs> <laughs> basically what they're going to do is they're going to go... Hey, um... Yeah. They're going to go, hey, Google, um, you're, you're, you're going to take a, an ad story that you've just directed a heap of traffic to and you're going to let people see that. So can we have some money for that? And Google's going to go, hey, guess who's not appearing on our top 100 pages anymore? Suddenly there's no Australian <laughs> news to be found. But the upside to this is that uh, a few people I know are starting independent newspapers again because yeah. all the big ones, are, this is a classic example, they got too greedy, they expect too much, and they expect them to be the only people people come to for news. So there's people I know who are starting community-based, in- independent-based, reporter-based newspapers. So they have, like, say, this our town here, for like example, in Rosewood, we, have, uh, we actually had a community paper, but they shut it down. So two of the top editors actually got together. They're both journalists. They've now started it back up again. They run whatever they want because it's independent so they can run the stories the way they're supposed to be run. They get to pick and choose what media they get to put on. They get to say where the media goes and how they get to distribute it. And they get to go to Google and with a bit of SEO and a bit of manipulation and a bit of organic results, I'll eventually get decent rankings. And people will be able to search their stories for free because that's how it's supposed to work. So what's going to happen now... Once Australia, the government, tries to enforce this, Google and Facebook are going to go, well, okay, we just won't display your stories or your company or anything about you at all, ever, and we'll give these independent guys a go, and they can have our ad revenue because they're putting ads on their website that we're paying for. So, um, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I have the um, Wiki Tribune as well. Yeah. Yeah independent newspaper with real journalists and stuff yeah they're starting to come back now because all the big papers are effectively dead Shite. and the ones that are still i mean there's and the other hand the other ones that are kind of still around are online only a lot of them now and you've got to pay for all of them you know so oh you wanted to read that interesting news article well you better give us some money this well is what's really funny is the First three pages I went to to read this story. Guess what? <laughs> They're behind a paid firewall. So oh, I went to. A... You're using a ad blocker. <laughs> no, no, they're actually legit, full on. No, not not ad blocked. Actually, full on legit paid firewalls. Oh, so I went to a Taiwanese newspaper to get this one. <laughs> you want to be a subscriber to every individual website just so you can read the news, right? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, and they're all owned by the same person, so it's not like. You couldn't just like have one subscription for the whole lot. One person owns so many newspapers <laughs> and and, re- and TV stations. Hang on, Home Alone. <laughs> not just not just newspapers, but TV stations. You've seen the um, I think they call it the Puppet Report. Yep. 
And there's literally there's like one way they they switch to every yeah. TV station in America running exact same story with the exact same words, same same clips, same everything. Yeah, oh, that's hilarious. But the Australians, there's one for an Australian one too, where they show all the Australian news doing the same thing. Yeah. So, but yeah, so basically, this is a the best thing. This is the best possible outcome that these small independents are chasing at the moment. Like they're ecstatic that this is a thing because. This is an opt-in, so the the newspapers have to opt-in to say we want... And not just newspapers, we're talking Channel 7, Channel 9, like all the broadcasters, but they have ABC to... ABC or SBS. <clears throat> yeah. They have to opt-in to have this, so they can say if they do or don't want it, and they're all going to opt-in because they get a chance, and there's a... What is it? $60,000 per offence or some, whatever the amount was, to every time they do it. So there's this possibility they're going to get this whole get-rich-quick scheme. Yeah. Um, whereas the independents like, yeah, no, come on, crawl our website, do your best, we dare you, you know, <laughs> like yeah. suck it all up, Google. Because yeah. not only they're getting, it. not only they're getting the throughput traffic from Google and the the crawlers getting the, the organic searches, they're going to have ads on their website, so they're going to get paid from the advertiser for whoever's putting those ads up. But most of them are going to be Google ads, so they're going to be getting advertiser revenue plus Google ad revenue. And once that's going to bring their numbers up, they're going to be able to have more into a larger follower base. So that just by the nature of having more people, all those numbers are going to go up. So it's going to be a self, a, a self reciprocating system that they're going to increase in numbers just because the other ones are too stupid to figure it out. Yeah. They haven't even got to do any extra work. <laughs> it's, they're literally being handed millions of viewers now. Give <coughs> that whoever owns all those newspapers that we don't know. Oh yeah, it's um. It's no um, look as much as much as it's the dumbest one. Well, okay, one of the dumbest ideas they've had this week. Um, it's also, I think, very very telling, just how old old media is. Because you locking know, the pirate base all worked, didn't it? Yeah. Well, I man, I don't know if you've ever seen there's there's a movie called The Newsies or The Newsboys, and it's set in the era of Randolph Hearst and Pulitzer and and all these big global news corporations you know they had the world they had the sun they had all these newspapers and as far as they're concerned they they ruled with what they wrote in their newspapers you know they're going to tell you who they're going to vote for and that person's going to get in they're going to tell you how much to pay your workers and they're going to get in they're going to tell the trolley strike workers to go on strike and for how long for like what they write in their newspaper is what happens not the other way around something happens and they write about it no they write about it and it happens and basically what happened was the newsboys who, you know, standing on the corner, he, he read all about it sort of deal, <clears throat> um, to cover this this war that the newspapers were having, they bumped up the price of the newspapers, but not to the public. They bumped up the price of the newspapers to the newsboys by, you know, what it, it was one cent a paper, which doesn't seem like much, but when you're only making like three cents a paper, now you're only making two cents a paper. You know, you've got to you've got to double your output to make the same amount of money, and uh, so the news is like, no, nah, screw it, we're we're done, we're going to strike, and all the newspapers are like, no, we're telling you you can't do that. They're like, no, but you're not listening. We're the ones that distribute your newspaper. We are ultimately who people listen to, and we won't be treated like this. And we're just not going to do anything until you put prices back the way they were. Yep. And this went on for a couple of months. But eventually, they 
started getting scabs coming into work and they started knocking them and <laughs> knocking them off and stuff and but then the news is like fine you don't listen to us we're going to now distribute our own newspaper to everybody who we would have been distributing yours to but ours is going to be free and we're going to be telling everybody else to do the same thing that we're doing so yep. suddenly the news the newsboys created this entire nationwide strike of the working boys and girls, as they called it, so basically all the child labour, <coughs> and they shut down England. Um, sorry, England. They shut down New York and the Bronx and all that um, for like three months, <laughs> and nothing happened because without runners, without newsboys, without deliverers, without rouseabouts, you don't have business. And they figured that out. They they called their bluff they shut them down and then you know whatever it was three months later whenever the strike ended they got their pay rises they got you know the things they demanded and they got their working conditions improved because literally the newspapers got too greedy yeah and guess what's going to happen again (laughs) (laughs) you know saying literally exactly the same thing is about to happen a hundred years later or not even (laughs) 80 years later you know so no, I'm all for it. I'm, I can bring it on is all I can say. This is going to be one hell of a ride. <clears throat> so, GPS technology company Garmin is recovering from a recent ransomware attack and has reportedly received a decryption key to recover its files, suggesting it may have paid a ransom. The site found that the attackers used the wasted locker ransomware and reported they demanded $10 million as ransom. Now, it also uncovered that Garmin is using a decryption key to regain access to its files, suggesting the company may have paid that ransom demand or some <coughs> other amount. The Waste Blocker software uses encryption, which has no known weaknesses. <coughs> the assumption is that to break it, the company must have paid the attackers for a decryption key. <laughs> Garmin was the victim of the ransomware attack at the end of July when hackers succeeded in shutting down services, including Garmin Connect, a network which syncs data for Garmin customers using wearables such as watches. Affected systems came back online within a few days, but services continue to be slow for some users. As well as the inconvenience for wearable users, the hack had some people worried about more serious consequences as well. Some aviation navigation software like the Fly Garmin app was also affected, meaning it could have been in breach of the FAA requirements. The company reassured customers that no customer data was stolen, and that no payment information from the Garmin Pay payment system was accessed or stolen either. On Twitter, the company announced last week, we are happy to report that many of the systems and services affected by the recent outage, including Garmin Connect, are returning to operation. Some features have temporary limitations while all of the data is being processed. What, were they running End of Life Windows XP or something? Windows 7, I was just well, Windows 7, it's End of Life now. Probably because governments are worried that Windows 7 is reaching <coughs> End of Life and hackers are ramping up their exploits for Windows 7 now. Yeah, but the the governments and the big corporations that are running it are paying their Microsoft their ransom fee to keep the updates coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they're still going to be just covered. the end users who turn into a botnet. Well, the CIA is concerned with that. There was a thing saying, especially with everybody home at the moment, the amount of internet traffic going to a regular home PC, especially in those poorer countries where they are using Windows XP and Windows 7 still, um, they are worried that that's going to be an actual legitimate problem. That, and where, uh, where are a lot of the banks and other financial companies keeping their support centers now 
very cheap. Well, yeah, I mean... Yeah, so they'll have access to bank systems to read your customer details when you ring up for help with your bank transfer. Well, they don't now. Those computers are taken over. We went to pay an invoice from a different from another telco we used today, and their web system is down, um, and their phone system is not functioning because they've got so many, I'm guessing, extra lines that are going overseas now. And when you finally ring through to the support center to say, hey, I need to pay my bill, they say, oh, no, we can't take your details. Um, you have to, The only option left would be to go to a post office. <laughs> <laughs> so at least they're to honest. Pay your bills at the post, post office now. Oh, man. Yeah, it's like being 1980s all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't mind, actually, because we've got a really lovely post office here. But Do they want you to fax it in or what? Um, well, just about, yeah, well. The fax machine is just a glorified waffle iron. Our uh, post office, I actually had to get a fax, what was I doing the other day? Oh, our... an onion on my <clears throat> belt, which was the fashion in those days. Our um, home loan is through the government, and when we reapplied, when the interest rates dropped, we reapplied to get re... It happened right on our third year, like literally... Two days after interest rates dropped, our three years contract was up, so it was up for renegotiation. Ah, nice. <laughs> so we renegotiated back with them again, and they put us back down to, I think we are on 2.1% instead of, we were on like 6%. Yep. So it dropped hugely. Weirdly, our repayments didn't drop though. It's strange. We're still making the same repayments, but the repayments curve is a lot quicker. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had to actually fax and approve. They, they had to send us, well... They could have posted us the approval form and then we could have posted it back or they faxed us the approval form and we signed it and we faxed it back because they don't have a scanner or a printer in this office. They literally <laughs> said that. She said "Where the entire housing department does not own a scanner or a printer that is publicly accessible like that they can use to print emails and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but you've got a fax machine. She goes, yes, we've got five fax machines, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, seriously? Uh, So I had to actually go to the post office because guess who's still got fax machines? Yeah. Um, Went to the post office and faxed from there at $1.50 a page. Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) How many pages was there? There's only a couple, thankfully. It would have gone bloody broke sending a fax otherwise. Uh, Oh, man. I thought it was hilarious. But... um, but yeah, no, I thought it was good. One thing, um, we're, yeah, we're, we're getting towards the end of the show. Um, I just want to do something I don't normally do. Uh, I'm going to recommend a YouTube video that people um, really should watch. It's, it's, <clears throat> of course, we all know, um, you know, we know the Beatles and Paul McCartney and and all that sort of stuff. Um, this is a bit of an older one. It goes, I think it's 2011. Uh, I was trying to find it. Um, it's Abbey Road, which if you know anything about them, you know Abbey Road basically is where they did their, um, basically all their albums, pretty much. Um, but he did a thing from there called, uh, Chaos and Creation. And, um, what it basically was... It was, uh, I guess, almost a history lesson, effectively, from him right through to 
the Beatles and, and beyond. And um, it's a really interesting sort of history and f- has a really nice feel and vibe. And he explains some of the old instruments they used to use, everything from four tracks and really early synthesizers and and all sorts of stuff. And he's, he sings a couple of songs that he's never released and uh, he shows you some behind-the-scenes stuff. And then towards the end of it, they have a creative jam session um, with the audience and they, they riff off a, a tr- some tracks at the end. And it's just a nice, relaxing sort of trip down memory lane. Um, yeah. He does a fantastic Elvis too, by the way. <laughs> like, he's... he's like very much. I think he does a better Elvis than Elvis does, actually. Um, what was that? Was that yeah, he doesn't do Elvis too good anymore. <laughs> all the early album covers. Um, it was played by Bill Black, and they would be Little Baby. See it somewhere, I think. The roof rack. Oh, no, where is it? I'm on a mission. You'd be so lonely, You'd be so lonely. You could die. <laughs> so yeah, so but it's definitely worth um, going and checking out. And he explains um, how they, especially later on with Sergeant Pepper, how they came up with some of the more interesting um, sound effects. And keeping in mind that it was all still analog back then, there wasn't really digital. I mean, yeah. there's digital in terms of there was like a four track tape player, which was I guess technically digital, but effectively it's all analog. Like they had an analog loop machine and. Um, you know, like the there's a like a piano squeeze box sort of thing going on here, and um, yeah, it was great. So, yeah, it's called Paul McCartney Chaos and Creation at Abbey Road. Yep. Um, if you're even remotely interested in musical history of any uh, sort of anything, it's definitely worth worth the check out. Um, there's a couple other similar ones as well, but this one sort of seems to have a really nice flow to it. So. Yes, not something I normally do, but something I think people might enjoy. I uh, stumbled across it the other day, re- one of those random YouTube recommends things. I went, oh, here we go. It was actually, a and good it was one. actually a really good. One. <laughs> <I'm> like, Yay! <laughs> the algorithm works. <laughs> so. Google Home Smart Speakers, the company dryly warns in a note buried deep in a support page can incorrectly record their users even when they haven't first said an activating wake phrase like hey gee. <laughs> so it happens that at least for a brief period of time this summer us i would imagine northern hemisphere peoples yeah those microphone enabled devices were doing exactly that the company admitted monday following a report by protocol that it had updated an unspecified number of google assistant devices to respond to auditory cues beyond the user specified wake phrase Google said this was a mistake that was quickly fixed, but it did not appear to address the larger privacy concerns that such a mistake signifies. After all, how are users supposed to trust a live microphone if they're home, if someone can remotely update to be even more invasive without their knowledge? It's not the first time Google Assisted enabled products have acted contrary to whatever state of privacy protections they had. In 2019, we learned that not only were Google Homes recording users unprompted, but some of those recordings were then sent to real humans to listen to. Amazon's Alexa-enabled devices were also doing this, as was Facebook's Portal. Following a backlash, Google announced users could opt into something called a voice and audio activity 
which permits people to listen to your Google Assistant recordings. Understandably, then, any change to a Google device that makes it more prone to activate and possibly record users is worth scrutinizing. A difficult task when the update is made behind closed doors. The development was flagged by a Redditor who noticed their Google Assistant-enabled device was listening for a smoke alarm, and after hearing it, it had pre-programmed set of actions ready to go. Burned something in the kitchen and the cheap $10 smoke detector went off, wrote the Reddit user, who noticed the change and shared a screenshot of the notification. Then I got a notification on my phone that Google heard the smoke detector going off. While it's not 100% clear, it's possible someone at Google jumped the gun ahead of a new partnership with security company ADT, enabling Google devices to pick up on smoke alarm sounds like just the thing such a partnership would herald. And as I mentioned, Google Nest speakers do actually listen for critical sounds like alarms or glass breaking as part of the Nest Aware subscription service. A recent software update enabled these alerts on some of our speakers that didn't have a Nest Aware subscription, a spokesperson from Google said, but we've since rolled that back. So they'll let you know if someone's mm. smashing in your back window to break in and steal your stuff, or if the smoke alarm's going off in the kitchen, you don't hear it. I mean, you only need to check your Facebook feed after you've had a conversation with somebody to prove that everything's listening all the time. Yep. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about um, the actually these Sky, what are they called? Sky Credit um, yep. cards. Never heard of them before. Just randomly was chatting to somebody about them at work. And that day, Sky Credit card all over my Facebook feed. Yep. So, you yeah, don't have I mean, to do a Google search for it no. on your phone or anywhere. It just no. suddenly appears. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, not, it's not new. Everyone knows they're listening. Everybody, everybody, you basically have to not be connected to the internet to have any sort of privacy these days. Um, your phone, your phone's listening pretty much all the time. Most laptops, webcam mics, pretty much anything is always on. Um, put I was talking to my daughter about a year and a half ago about going on holidays to the Gold Coast and suddenly I got all these ads in Facebook about Gold Coast holiday places and deals yeah. and stuff. I was like, I didn't Google search for this. I didn't type this into Facebook. We were no. just talking in the lounge room. Yep. Yep. And the people go, oh, let's put some tape over your mic. I mean, the tape over the mic does nothing. People say like, like the funny thing that people have, have talked about that <clears> if you switch the microphone off on your Google Home, and then say the hey passphrase google says i'm sorry i can't hear you the microphone has switched off yeah it it like, doesn't how did you know i said it you switched off it doesn't, doesn't actually it doesn't turn the microphone off it turns it blocks the transmission to the activation core so it sends back a recorded message saying that it can't actually hear you uh, yeah. The physical microphone is still connected, but it can't pass through. Well, they say it can't pass through, yeah. but I mean, if it's passing enough data to know that it's trying to request a call, then it knows the mic's off, well, how much is it putting through? <laughs> so, you know, but... You think it's just deactivated the phrase? Yeah. Basically. Pretty much, yeah. It's, it's, it's a software deactivation, not a hardware cut. Yeah. Um, which I can, like the one down in my shed, I've mangled this the actual speaker, blew up in the mini so i actually opened it up and hooked it up into the back end of the stereo so it's you were playing baby shark too loud again <laughs> weren't you maybe um so it was um it's hooked up into the stereo but now i've basically got google home through the stereo so i can do all the you know play playlists and stuff through the stereo so it actually sounds good 
Um, but the same thing with that. Like, you, they'll tell you what, they're on, on one thing I'll give them credit for, regardless of whether you think they're spying, which they are, but regardless of any of that stuff, the ability of the microphone to be at the other end of my workshop with the speaker it's playing the songs through, cranking, sitting on top of, and I can talk to it from the other end of the workshop and it can hear me and interact that far away with that sort of clarity. Play the next song, I don't like that. Yeah, okay. exactly. And if nothing else, that in itself, I mean, <laughs> that's the sort of, that's the sort of, you know, you, you'd have trouble getting a human to hear that in that sort of environment, you know. So I think that's actually, for me, I find that actually fascinating. But speaking of Google, Google is closing their Play Music. Because oh. apparently they had one. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they got YouTube music. So right? when you say, hey, play such and such a song, it goes, that's Spotify playlist. So even the Google Minis and the Google Homes <laughs> use Spotify as default. <laughs> so yep. what was the point of having a Google Music service if you're not even going to implement it into your own hardware? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but basically, uh, starting in October and finishing, wrapping up by Christmas, effectively, they're going to shut Google Music. Um, you can transfer your music to, uh, if you've got existing music, it will let you keep it, um, but it won't let you order more, and they're closing the actual streaming part of it, and there is a transfer tool that you can move your... Uh, music over and it's something to do with YouTube music now and it will automatically update your subscription in YouTube so that those songs in YouTube music don't have ads or something like that. Anyway, it's a bit... I've read two or three different stories and none of them cover that part of it very well. (laughs) But so I'm guessing that's what they're doing. I'm guessing they're, they're switching off the Google Play music and they're implementing the Google YouTube music. Something, uh, I think that's how it works. So yeah, so that's just something else to be wary of. But um, yeah, uh, as I said, like I don't understand why that's not a default thing in the Google Mini, searching their own infrastructure. Spotify must be paying a ton of money. Must be. I'll tell you one thing that bugs me no end about Spotify: the ads are twice as loud as the music. <laughs> it's horrendous. Because I have one in Bub's room, just plays. Um, like just soft sleeping music sort of stuff. Yeah. And then you'd be giving us Thank you for listening to Spotify. It's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's like why why? Why is the ad three times louder than Somebody than the music? did a did a video on YouTube about how they record Spotify ads and he's there with like trumpets and drums. Yeah. And- Get Spotify Premium or I'll keep doing this. It's not far off, it, I'll tell you. It's horrendous. <laughs> Thanks so. for listening to the Aussie Tech Heads show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Also now at patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Sign up for $4 a month, $10 a month, or from several other tiers. See the site for details. Email us glenwheelandwarlock at aussietechheads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on AussieTechRadio.com. 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows around Australia and New Zealand. New shows added each Friday. See you next time. See ya. Bye.